Jake killed himself and he didn't leave a note, and I lost bits of my memory and my favorite pair of jeans. I'll never get a pair like those again. They don't make that style anymore. They were scuffed in all the right places and cut to fit my short legs and big bum, and they were comfortable in a choice faded dark blue that looked good with everything. That's not a metaphor. I loved those jeans. I loved my brother more. Jake was my favorite person. My best friend, my first supporter, the last one to get angry with me when I said something that was just too sarcastic. At 19, he was two years older than me. But we weren't one of those sibling pairs who hated each other as kids and then hit adolescence and got along. We'd always been that close. My first word was Che. There had been no warning. He didn't give away his possessions or say things like, it'll all be over soon. His girlfriend, Sandra Clare, swore up and down that he didn't act depressed or fight with her, and even though she is a heinous, bleached and bony bitch who told me that if I kept cutting my hair short, everyone would think I was a lesbian, and she didn't say lesbian, I believed that Jake hadn't done any of that stuff, because I knew he would have told me first. I knew what to do if someone you loved showed signs of suicide, because we'd studied it in health. It's a myth that people who talk about it aren't going to do it. 74% of suicides give a warning sign of some kind. And if Jake had ever mentioned it, I would have had a plan. A plan for what to say, how to tell mum and dad, what to do if he did it and failed, what to do if he did it and succeeded, what to do if he did it and succeeded and I found the body. But he didn't. And I didn't. And it happened anyway. It made no sense at all. It was a lot easier to think about how irrational Jake's killing himself was than to think about how my insides had been ripped out. Because Jake's death was a suicide, we nearly didn't get to hold a proper tonguey, in case all the celebration and ceremony for the dead encouraged other kids to copy him. But I think Nanny Hinekura put her foot down, and all the family on Dad's side turned up at the Marae farther down the coast. It was three days of people crowding around us and talking about Jake. All the stories, how he'd bagged his first deer, how he'd gotten his first swimming medal by crashing into the end of the pool, how one Christmas he'd played PlayStation for 21 hours against any cousin who'd take him on, and he'd fallen asleep in front of the TV, thumbs still twitching. I liked the stories a lot better than the formal speeches, which were mostly in Maori, I'm all for valuing our cultural heritage in that. I'd taken Māori for two years to make Nani Hinekura happy, but it turned out I was just no good at languages. Jake was much better. He would have translated for me. The mourners cried and laughed and talked. So much noise. Everyone saying, Jake, 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 echoing the way my heart beat out his name. When everyone slept on the mattresses spread out under the high-carved rafters of the Fadanui roof, I could feel the thick emotion leaching out of them, sticking to my skin like steam. I was surrounded by love, but it felt like I was smothered by it. I'd been at Tangi before and watched grieving families take comfort, but I couldn't. Not with Jake in the closed coffin beside us instead of sitting with me, adding his own stories to this mix. I gripped Mum's hand, very pale in mine, and didn't let go. 
Once we went back to Somerton, I didn't go to school for the last bit of the year. There was no point with the Christmas holidays coming so soon, and I got compassionate consideration on all my final assessments anyway. Mum cleaned the house as if she would die if she didn't, and Dad had to go back to work. I walked a lot, trying to avoid people who would say useless, comforting things like, well, I'm sure he's in a better place. I couldn't believe any of that crap. The room he died in had been blessed and a farewell karakia chanted, but Jake wasn't going to take the long trip to Cape Rianga to find the home of Dad's ancestors. He wasn't in heaven with some white-bearded god. He wasn't hanging around keeping an eye on me. And he sure couldn't do all three, which was what Nani Hinekura seemed to believe. Those were just stories, things people made up to make the world nicer. How did they know? Where was the proof?